Now, I probably wouldn't say this in front of white folk, but in front of your own speak my mind. What up, y'all? I want to talk about a story from the New York Times about a black hockey player by the name of Giovanni Smith. Giovanni Smith is a forward from the Kitchener Rangers, a Detroit Red Wings minor league. He is one of the only dozen black players among roughly 500 Ontario Hockey League players. As a matter of fact, players from this league age from 16 to 20, and they often go on to play in the NHL. So that means his brother got skills. Now, for decades, black hockey players, according to the article, have experienced all sorts of levels of racial abuse. One man said, it's like par for the course. Black players go through this. They always have and they always will, it seems. So I want to talk about it, man, because this is a teenager. It's a young black teenager in Canada. And it goes against, you know, the, the notion that racism is a United States thing. Many people don't believe that racism happens around the world. Many black people don't believe that people are racist in Canada. They don't believe that people are racist in Mexico and South America and Europe. And I've had black people who have been to all different parts of the world, and they've told me that, yo, racism is everywhere. It may not be as, as blatant, but it's everywhere. And reading this article, it, it, reading this article, man, I'm going to tell you straight up, reading this article, it makes me further believe that the anxiety, the stress that young black youths have to go through today, especially when they grow older. You know, you don't really see other races of people having to deal with this kind of trauma at a young age. I said on a recent podcast that they did a story. I can't remember what, what news article it was, but somebody did a story where they asked white people, they polled them and they asked them, do you feel as though black people feel more pain, yes or no? And most white people said that, hey, yeah, we think black people feel more pain. We think black people can handle more pain. And there was a, a, a study they did where they pinched a black baby and showed it to a white audience. And, you know, some of them were like, ah, you know, man, it's sad, you know, ah, it's tough stuff. But when they showed a white baby of the same age being pinched, White people were crying. I mean, they were really emotional watching this white baby be pinched. And when you think about, dag, yo, so, I mean, literally, literally from the cradle, they don't really look at us as human beings because that's why, you know, a young man like Trayvon Martin can be killed by police and they constantly call him a man and they let a grown man like George Zimmerman get away with his murder who, by the way, is still getting arrested. So it shows you, and he said on several occasions that he killed Trayvon Martin to people after the trial. So he knows he got away with murder. And he's bragging about it. But I say all that to say this, that this is why Trayvon Martin can be killed by a white predator terrorizing him. And they demonize Trayvon Martin but when a, 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 a white teenager goes into a church and kills innocent black people, 
they constantly refer to him as a boy. They tell you about how traumatizing his life was. See, many people don't know that Trayvon Martin was a nerd. Trayvon Martin wasn't really in the streets like that. He really was a nerd. You've seen the pictures of Trayvon Martin up at NASA. Like, he was really a nerd. So, the media trying to paint him as a bad guy because he smoked marijuana. Listen, college students smoke hella weed all the time. That's a fact. And they never look at them as drug addicts. They just say college students smoking weed, doing what college kids do. Now, you change that scenery and go to the hood and see young black men smoking weed. They gangbangers, drug dealers, drug addicts, ingrates, nuisances, all every name under the sun, but young black men just being young. So when I read this story about the brother in Canada, you know, going through what he was going through, and then you see the story about in the University of Florida where white kids were doing all kind of crazy stuff during the graduation, as they all were. But the black kids were the ones being manhandled. The black kids were the ones being forcibly pushed off the stage. Those kind of stories just cement in my mind that we live in a society where most white people have some sort of racial or racist ideology most most have I met some white people that have been genuine I think and have seen me and people that look like me as their equal of course I have but for the most part they don't because as of late and this is only because now people have cell phones but as of late it, it seems that any black person that's somewhere just living, if a white person sees them just living and it makes them feel uncomfortable, they call the police. You got Starbucks. You got the black ladies who would come out of an Airbnb and because they didn't wave at the lady, she called the police. You got the young brothers in Nordstrom's shopping for prom, they called the police. I mean, there are so many instances and stories today and, and, you know, current events where it's like, come on, man. Like, what more do you need to see to know that black people aren't safe out here? We're not safe out here. I'm sorry. I know people want to believe that, man, listen, white people are good. And, and most white people are good and, and that, you know, you can you can have a have a we can coexist together. But I'm telling you, all man, it's it's dangerous. It's dangerous because you got young women being manhandled. You got young black men being manhandled at some point. I mean, we got enough is enough. People are literally calling the cops on black people for nothing. For nothing. And then you have people trying to explain it away. White explain it. I mean, it makes no sense. And then you wonder why when African-American male is, is being pulled over, they run. 
even if they are doing something wrong, if they felt as though, all right, cool, I'm going to get pulled over. He's going to take me to jail. I'm going to do my time, pay my bail, get out. Cool. But for the most part, we feel as though, okay, I got a warrant. If I got a warrant, man, they're going to beat me. You see what I'm saying? They're going to beat me. They're going to put hands on me. They're going to try to plant something on me. So it's not just going to be, I'm going to go to jail and do my time. It's I got to deal with other stuff because I'm black. We have so many instances where police officers abuse their prep, abuse their power. We have so many instances where police officers uh, treat black people unfairly. I mean, there are so many instances, man, where you can just see that when it comes to white people, police have the utmost restraint. When it comes to black people, it's no restraint. We've all seen videos of white people committing crimes and literally rushing the police. And the police are like, hey, man, I don't want to shoot you. A video in particular, two two instances, I saw a video in particular, a white guy slaughtered his whole family. High-speed chase. He wrecks his car, and now it's just him and another officer about 50 feet from each other. Officer got his gun out. This white guy, they know he, he murdered his family. This white guy literally runs full speed towards the cop, and the cop is yelling, I don't want to shoot you, man. I don't want to shoot you, man. I don't want to shoot you, man. The guy's like, yo, shoot me. Shoot me. Kill me. Kill me. And the cop is like, I don't want to shoot you. Finally, more officers arrive. They apprehend him and take him to jail. Another instance, kind of similar situation, but this white guy has a knife. So naturally, you got to shoot. You got to shoot this guy because, I mean, you know, you don't want to die. And the guy... Refuses to drop the weapon. He lunges for the cop. The cop shot him one time. Just to down him. Shot him one time. The guy falls. They apprehend him. So tell me why when black men are running or a black man reaches in his pocket for his, for his, his cell phone or when a black man does anything they have to shoot nine ten times i mean it's a it's a fact that they use a different kind of procedure when it comes to handling black people and we can sit here all day and pretend like it's a small segment it's a small number of people but most of us right now know somebody who's been wrongfully treated by the police so you can say more than half of black people in america have stories of when the police mistreated them or treated them unfairly those are horrible statistics when you think about it because that means five out of ten one out of every two those statistics are horrible and then we have our kids, the young brother wanting to play hockey or the young brothers and sisters at University of Florida just want to celebrate their graduation being just manhandled or being racially profiled 
you know, stressed out that the police got to walk you into a, a game that you deserve the right to be there. You earned the right to be at this game because you bought out. And you got to look over your shoulder because you don't know if somebody's going to throw an orange at you. Somebody's going to throw a hockey, somebody's going to beat you with a stick. You just don't know. And that's the kind of anxiety that young men, young black men have to deal with on a daily basis. Then we grow older, we have children. And then we're raising young, young sons. And then we have to tell them the same thing. I personally believe that black people wait entirely too long to have the conversation about race to their sons. As a matter of fact, a lot of us don't want to have it at all. Most of us don't want to have it at all. We want to avoid the conversation. And then when our children are, are confronted by blatant racism, you know, at 16 and 17, they snap because they're so shocked that it's happening. Now, you know, they kicked out of school. Right, because you didn't prepare them. My kids know now. They know. They've they've known for for I mean since they're I'm talking about six, seven, eight. I mean they've known, and it's a difficult conversation. Sometimes when I share some of the the, the subjects I talk to my son about, people look at me sideways like, man, you don't think that's a, little, a bit much? I don't. I don't because. It's a cold world out here and it's too much. It's too many things that could go wrong and he not be prepared for me not to prepare him. You know, having him prepared and making sure he knows how to react and not overreact and also not underreact is important because if your children, you know, go through life allowing people to to say things to them to make them feel uncomfortable and they don't check them, they don't say nothing to them, then they'll take that kind of trait into adulthood. And once you become an adult and you're afraid to check somebody, you're afraid to, you know, check them at the door, then you're going to live a life of just, just getting by. And I want to make sure my kids, they know how to speak up and say, hey, 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 man, listen. Yo, that ain't cool. Or why would you say to me? Or don't say that to me. Make people come correct. And ain't nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. We wait too long. And then our children go to school. Pretty much into a war zone. Unprepared. And there's not that many. There's not that many. Uh, African American teachers in, in schools as it is. You think about it. The school system. Really? Really? The school system really is a white woman's domain. That's who runs the school system, white women. That's their thing. I mean, that is what it is. You may have a few black teachers sprinkled here and there, but the school system is a white woman's domain. That's their profession. It just is. And we send our children to these, to these white women who most, in most cases kick. They don't care about our children. I mean, number one, they don't get paid enough. Let me let me let me say that. All right. Teachers, black, white, whatever. They don't teachers don't get paid enough. But when you take teachers who are not from the same area as the kids they're teaching, they don't understand what these kids are going through. And I'm not even talking about 
teaching kids from the hood. I'm talking about black kids. Because, you know, people will say, uh, well, a kid from the hood needs to know how to act. Or a kid from the hood, the parents should teach them how to act. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm not talking about a kid from the hood. Who, I'm not talking about a kid who comes in class and disrupts. I'm talking about a kid in general. A kid who make a kid from the suburbs, black kid who may come to class one day and be a little down. And the reason is because just the day before somebody called him a nigga on the bus or somebody, you know, say you can't sit here, nigga, or whatever. A white female, a white teacher just won't know how to handle that. So they won't see the signs that, yo, somebody done called a Jamal a nigga. Or somebody told a Jamal, you know, that. He don't know his daddy. I mean, something, something, you know, typical white supremacist rhetoric. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. So a white teacher won't know how to handle that. There was a study that showed that if a black student has at least one black teacher, by the time they enter the fourth grade, the dropout rate drops 31%. By having just one teacher that's black. Now, most of us have never had black teachers at all. I had two out of all my years in school, two black teachers. So you think about, you know, the the rate, if those numbers are are accurate, you think about, you know, what my chances were of completing high school versus somebody who didn't have any black teachers. It's deep when you think about it. We're sending our kids into a into a very hostile environment. I mean, I was literally just reading um, a book about Brown versus Board of Education. And what a lot of people don't know is that Brown versus Board of Education wasn't really meant to integrate schools. Well, no, no. Let me let me let me rephrase that. The Brown versus Board of Education, its intent wasn't to immediately integrate schools. All they were saying was that they wanted the right for their kids to be able to go to those schools if they wanted them to. Because to be honest, the actual Brown that's in the Brown versus Board of Education, she said literally, we like our schools. We are very, very happy with our schools. And the judge at the time looked at her and laughed and said, there's no way you could be happy with your schools because your education is inferior. And she said, no, no, we're, we're good. You know, we're we're fine. We just don't like being told that we can't go somewhere. And the judge literally said, there's no way your education is good because you're black. So anything you're teaching your kids is not as good as what they would learn if they were in one of our schools. They were absolutely, totally okay with all black schools. The black people were. It was a principle. It was the principle of the matter. And to take it a step further, they, where the Brown versus Board of Education really screwed up in is that, in my opinion, they should have integrated black teachers first 
and then integrated the students. Because you took black students from one part of town and you immediately integrated them into into schools with all white teachers who were very hostile and mean and nasty and cared nothing about the, the, the well-being and the progression of these black kids. And then what happened was what? They were undereducated because white people saw no vested interest in teaching these black kids who they already didn't want to be in their schools. They saw no vested interest in teaching them more than they taught their own. So, like I said, the biggest mistake with the Brown of with the Brown versus Board of Education was that they integrated the students and not the teachers. The teachers should have been integrated first. And to take it even a step further, because they did it that way, integrating the students, all the black teachers were fired because there were no jobs. During that time, if I'm not mistaken, I think they said there were about 40,000 black teachers. Within a 10-year time frame, all but about 10,000 of them had lost their jobs. The ones who didn't move to other places to and, and adapt. So about 30,000. And you know what? If I'm not mistaken, the number could be higher than that. But I'm just going, that's the number I think. 40,000, about 30,000 teachers lost their jobs. Even the ones who, who were smart because what people don't understand is back in those days, if you were smart, you became a teacher in the black community. If you were smart, if you had any kind of knowledge, high school diploma or whatever, you just became a teacher. That was really the only profession that black people could do where they were allowed into. Obviously, because you taught your, your own kids, your own schools. There were really no other professions at that time that black people were allowed to do. They weren't allowing black people to go be doctors in white neighborhoods. They weren't allowing black people to be mechanics in white neighborhoods. They weren't allowing black people to be uh, store owners in white neighborhoods. So at the time, if you had, if you were even slightly smarter than the average person, you became a teacher. And that's just how it was then. So to tie it all together, we have always been dealing with a system of white supremacy. We've always been forced into situations where we are uncomfortable. Everywhere we go, people look at us a certain kind of way. I don't care if you're clean cut, if you got dreadlocks, if you got a bald head. People always look at you funny, no matter what, because of the color of your skin. And our children also feel that same pressure to fit in. Our children also feel that same not fitting in. It's just that simple. And so if we don't talk about this kind of thing to our children, with our children, then they'll grow up feeling less than. That's why it's so important to have the conversation early. It's so important to, to show your children great black people. It's so important to show your children black businesses. It's so important to show your children people that look like them that are succeeding. It's also important to show them people that see them in a negative light. 
point them out. Show them the signs. So when they're in an environment where they're not around you and, and they they encounter somebody who smiles in their face but then looks at them funny when they turn their heads, they can notice the signs that, hey, look, my, my, my dad, my mom told me about signs of people like this. I'm going to tell you, I met a white guy one time from New York. And I said, hey, man, how you like living in the South? And he was like, it's cool. But, you know, where I'm from, I grew up in Brooklyn, you know, black people, white people, Spanish people, whatever. And he was like 60 years old. He's like, I mean, if we didn't like somebody, we just said we didn't like him. He was like, but, you know, down here in the South, it's different because, and he specifically looked at me and said, I mean, I don't know how y'all deal with it. He's like, people will smile in your face and rub shoulders with you and then turn around and talk about you. And I'm looking at this old white guy like, all right, I get it. You know, camaraderie, you know. But at the end of the day, you're still a white guy. But I understood what he was trying to say. And what he said was real. Some of your closest friends at work, if you if you say, let me come to your house and eat dinner, they, they tell you, nah, I got plans. Because they don't want you in that house. But... We will, we will invite them into our house. We have to give them the same energy that they give us. I mean, it's as simple as that. It's the only way we're going to you know, come out of this, this, this funk of just being people's doormats. When Kanye West said 400 years of slavery was a choice, that was idiotic. Right, it was irresponsible for him to say that. People made the analogy about the Haitians. People made the analogy about Harriet Tubman. At the end of the day, it was slavery or death. I mean, that's just not escape that fact. But with that said, if there were so many black people back in it, so many slaves on a plantation back in the day. I mean, truth is, if they would have used their heads Slavery could have ended in 30 years. But I'm still not going to say it was a choice. Because all it was, it, they were conditioned. I will say, I mean, that's, that's a fact. It was, they were conditioned. And it was either bondage or, or death. And I was actually talking to a friend of mine about that. And many people say now, oh, man, I'm telling you, man, I'm like Killmonger. You know, bury me in the ocean, you know, because cause I knew that uh, death is better than bondage. You know, every everybody says that it's cool, it's cliche. But let's be clear, man. If all of our ancestors had that same mentality, neither one of us would be here. Think about it. Think about it. If our ancestors decided they're going to jump, then we wouldn't be here. But we're here because our ancestors said, you know what? I don't like it. It ain't right. But I'm going to do what I got to do to survive. Whatever I got to do. If I got to work these fields. If I got to uh, do whatever. I'll do it. So I think to shift it. Our focus shouldn't be on. You know. What slavery of choice. Or I would have did this. Or I would have did that. Our, our focus should really be on. How about we honor the ancestor that said 
I'll do what I got to do to survive. No matter what, I'm going to live because that's why we're here. So you honor them by fighting the system of white supremacy. You honor them, right? You don't, you don't turn around and say, well, that was a choice. Because it, it was a choice. But you don't turn around and say that in the form of, you know, they chose the latter. So therefore they 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 uh so, so therefore because they chose the latter, they deserve what 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 they got. Because let's be clear, I'm thankful that my ancestor chose the latter. I'm thankful that my ancestor chose to live by any means necessary because because of them, I'm here. Because of them, we're here. So you honor them by, you know, trying your best to dismantle white supremacy. That's just, it's the only way to do it. So Kanye, he's an idiot for saying that. I don't agree with that. I don't kind of agree with it. What Kanye said was, was, was socially irresponsible and he should have been publicly shamed the way he was. That's all I got. Until next time, 